Hi, welcome to this edition of Freshfield's podcast. This is part of our board memo series. My name is John Fisher. I am head of U.S. Technology and Life Sciences M&A in the Silicon Valley office of Freshfield's. Today, we will talk about technology M&A transactions, and I have with me two colleagues from Freshfield's. Ayman Mir, who led CFIUS review on thousands of transactions prior to joining Freshfields and works very closely with me in almost all of my U.S. M&A deals and joint ventures. We also have Alan Ryan, who spent most of his career in Brussels, but now also works with me in the Silicon Valley office and is a critical resource for Silicon Valley companies on global M&A deals because he knows not only a lot about U.S. antitrust issues, but he is one of the foremost authorities on global antitrust issues. And it's great to have that resource with us in California. Technology M&A deals are fundamentally different from non-technology M&A deals. Technology deals are almost always driven by some combination of the following trinity, intellectual property, data, and people. Data is a regulated asset where it is transported, stored, what data is collected, they're all key, and it's crucial that the board understand all of that when approaching a technology M&A deal. And people, you want to retain the value of the transactions of engineers, scientists, founders. Retaining and keeping them happy is key. So oftentimes, a board, when approaching a technology acquisition, even if buy side needs to put on their sell side hat, and understand, for example, the tax implications of the deal on those employees, it's critical that there are no surprises and that the employees that you're acquiring feel good about the process and aren't surprised by any of the deal terms. If people, IP, and data are driving your transaction, that really impacts every aspect of the deal. So as a board, the first step that I recommend is really to understand the deal structure, the motivations, and the terms of the transaction. So the board should understand why management seek to pursue or oppose a transaction, the important aspects of the transaction, strategic as well as financial, and why a particular deal structure has been chosen. For example, merger, tender offer, asset purchase, or sale. And then terms should be checked to see how they compare against current market practice. M&A deals typically have three key components economic allocation. This is your purchase price and the provisions that adjust upward or downward the purchase price. Risk allocation, your reps and your warranties and indemnities. And then deal certainty. Typically, two of the critical factors on deal certainty is FDI regimes and antitrust. And my colleagues, Simon and Alan, will address both of those. So in addition to understanding the motivation and terms, having an up-to-date understanding of the board's fiduciary duties are key. For example, are there recent developments impacting the fiduciary duties or particular aspects of the transaction that impact the fiduciary duties? I think it's critical to understand and address any director or management conflicts of interest. Not only can conflicts of interest lead to suboptimal deal terms, they also can change the level of scrutiny applied by courts when a deal is challenged. So it's critical the boards understand any financial or other incentives that management or certain directors may have that could cause them to, for example, advocate for one outcome over another. These conflicts of interest can include employment agreements, change of control payments, wanting to what I call empire build and be part of a larger organization following closing. 
also old-fashioned economic interests in the counterparty or the target of an M&A deal. Finally, it's critical to understand on deal certainty, the deal mechanics. So are there regulatory barriers that this particular transaction would need to overcome and how would an acquisition be financed? And on the regulatory barrier piece, I'm now going to turn to my colleague, Ayman, who spearheads CFIUS and FDI review for fresh fields on our global transactions. Thanks very much, John. Technology, data, and people, they're not only driving tech deals, but they're also at the core of the government's national security considerations in this age. What that means is that the pressure in the government to actually regulate in these areas is only increasing for the foreseeable future. And it'll often be at the expense of commercial efficiency and opportunity. So taking CFIUS, for example, CFIUS is now a consideration for U.S. companies, not just when they're receiving directly investment from a foreign person or selling off a business line, but even if they're receiving minority investment that gives a foreign person even an observer seat on the board, or if they're co-investing with a foreign person, or if they're contributing assets to a joint venture with a foreign person. So understanding these regulatory frameworks is more important than ever in thinking about what deals to pursue, execution risk, exit strategies, and so on. It's also important for U.S. companies to recognize that these issues and these concerns are front of mind for regulators globally. So major investment hubs, Germany, Japan, France, Italy, Spain, Australia, and even a bill just introduced in the U.K. that will go into force first half of next year, all focused on reviewing investment, and in particular foreign investment, to assess the risks. And while China will continue to be a leading consideration in almost all of these jurisdictions, and I should note as a side that China will, regardless of a change in administration here in the U.S., continue to be a leading consideration for CFIUS and other regulatory processes, it's not just about China. Even buyers from friendly countries have the prospect of having to accept conditions that could constrain their commercial decision-making when it involves sensitive technology, data, and infrastructure. So the bottom line is that it's more important than ever for boards thinking about technology transactions. They have a meaningful understanding of what the government's security interests are and how they could affect their transactions. So with that, let me turn it over to Alan for his thoughts on antitrust and merger control considerations. Thank you very much, Ayman. My name is Alan Ryan. I'm an antitrust partner. I spent most of my career in Brussels, as John said. I'm now delighted to be able to speak to you from California. And this is very topical because 2021 is going to mark the beginning of a step change in antitrust enforcement of tech transactions. Antitrust and tech has already become a political issue. You will have seen that not only with the various decisions and the fines that the European Commission has levied on certain U.S. tech companies, but also with the U.S. election campaign and the mandate for increased antitrust enforcement of the new Biden administration. The new administration is going to lead to a major change in the review specifically of tech transactions in the M&A space. And that's from two perspectives. First of all, substantively, and secondly, international cooperation. Many tech transactions involve a major tech company buying out a startup tech company. It is the exit strategy for many investors in startups. And the antitrust authorities are now openly saying that they regret not having enforced the antitrust laws or not having challenged a number of these transactions. They're what they call killer acquisitions. It's emerging technology which could represent a competitive threat to the established and large tech players, which they are then buying out. 
the antitrust authorities are now openly worrying that many of those tech transactions actually involved the acquisition and therefore the snuffing out of potentially competitive technology, which could have overturned the established pecking order. In the USA, those transactions have been and can always be reviewed, even if they fall below the HSR reportability thresholds, but very few of them have. And the theories of harm that the antitrust authorities would want to bring have not been developed very clearly. The big change here is now that with the new administration, they will be, the agencies will be looking to develop those theories of harm, but also with the international cooperation. Most of these deals involve companies that do have sales in many countries around the world. They're potentially reviewable across the globe, but many countries have relatively high reportability thresholds, and these deals have fallen below those thresholds. The EC, the European Commission, has now announced a major policy change. It's a power that it always had, which is to request politely review of the transaction from a national antitrust authority, even if that authority itself didn't have the power to review it. It's an interesting point. It's Article 22 of the EU merger regulation. But they've never taken such a referral unless the referring authority actually did have the power to review it. They've now announced that they will be taking those referrals even when they don't, which means that they will now be able to review the majority of these smaller tech transactions, which, as we said earlier, are precisely the killer acquisitions that they are looking for. That and the increased cooperation then with the USA means that we can expect them to be discussing the theories of harm on these specific cases in the future. And this is likely to be the major area of change for agencies on both sides of the Atlantic and indeed around the world in future. The bottom line, therefore, means that for investors looking for an exit strategy and for acquirers, the antitrust assessment of the transaction at the beginning of the deal will need to be much more thorough because there will be challenges to some of these deals, which even in 2020 went through under the radar. That calls for more contingency planning on the deal in case the challenge happens and for a reserve game plan to be in place to deal with it should it happen. And important in circling back to John, for the M&A agreement then to cater for all these possibilities. On our side, we are gearing up for this increased enforcement in 2021 and beyond and looking forward to working very closely then with our colleagues, John, and of course, Iman. Thank you very much.